0: Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe.
1: What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. Today, from Big Bad Houston, Texas, is Mr. John Jeffrey, aka JJ, with Dark Wolf Fitness. JJ, how are you today, my guy?
2: I'm doing great, man. What's going on, Adam? How are you, bud?
1: Hey man, another day in paradise, you know, I can't complain. The uh, Friday sun's out, yes. it's Friday, that's right. <laughs> you know, the weekend's here, for some of us anyways.
2: Yeah, and we've got a lot of rain coming uh, to Houston tomorrow, so we're looking forward to that.
1: Uh, there you go. Is it, has it been dry
2: out there? No, we've had way too much rain the last last month and a half, man, it's too oh, much. Geez. I have a mud hole in the backyard due to our dogs, it's, it's been fit. Oh yeah,
1: they, they love that, they're uh, the they're <laughs> mud pit. Yep, exactly mud dog wrestling i love it that's it man well cool man i appreciate you taking the time to hop on today and you know talk to the listeners about what you do and you know you know some successes and struggles and you know everything in between so
3: with that being said
1: i'm gonna open up to you go ahead and give our listeners a quick tutorial of yourself how you got into the fitness industry you know with what you're currently doing in your business and then you know we'll touch on like the vision the trajectory that you want to go
2: yeah, so my name is JJ or John Jeffrey. Uh, I own Dark Wolf Fitness here in South Houston, Lake City, Texas area. Um, I've been in the fitness business since 2000, so to almost 23 years. Uh, I have, uh, like we talked about earlier, I have been with uh, corporate gyms back and forth. I owned a business back in 2005 to 2010, at one time for five years with my wife. And then I started Dark Wolf Fitness in 2018 as a one on one private training. And now it has bled into outdoor boot camp. We have three locations. Um, with that outdoor boot camp, we have live stream. Uh, we have a video recorded library for the clients that we have in Alaska, Virginia, Oregon, Colorado. You name it. Um, so yeah, so we've been doing that for five years now. And um, the goal for us right now is just to grow the community right now. So that's where we're at right now.
1: Awesome, man. So. Grow the community. Love that. Cause without community, you know, it makes it hard to, you know, have a family atmosphere and, you know, you're a family guy and, you know, I have a little guy as well. So, you know, it's, you know, community is everything.
3: Yes, sir. It is.
1: So kind of explain to the listeners, you know, what, what was the inspiration behind dark wolf fitness, you know, like what really triggered you to be like, this is what I want to do. And Mm -hmm. also, how did you come up with the name?
2: So a couple of funny stories. Um, So with corporate world, I was always called the lone wolf or the renegade wolf. I was the kind of the guy that kind of butt heads with corporate big heads. Um, And it wasn't like bad. It was, you know, how the consultation should be, be, uh, you know, done or how the program design should be done throughout the gym. So I was always kind of butt heads. So I was always called that the renegade, the lone wolf. Um, I've always loved wolves. Um, I have, you know, wolf tattoos everywhere. (laughs) So, um, with dark wolf fitness, I just thought, you know, I'm very passionate about the human connection. Uh, I think it's very important that as a personal trainer, it's our job to listen, um, and share the light with every client that we come across. And it's about them, not about us. And if you build that kind of relationship, you build a pack of people that trust you and have loyalty to your pack. Um, with Dark Wolf Fitness and the logo, I just thought, you know, with my history and with wolves, um, I just came up with Dark Wolf Fitness one night, um, and you can edit this out the video if you want, but I uh, got high one night, and I came up with that logo. I'm not kidding, no joke, Um, and found a guy online that did uh, logos and Dark Wolf Fitness, and there we go. So that's where kind of, I love geometrics. And I love art. So that's kind of came up with that wolf head and the barbells behind it. But um, I just think, you know, having a pack of people uh, that you love and that you train, you take care of uh, it just, you know, it's, it's, it just spreads, right? It's, you just become more passionate and for 23 years of being in the business, I haven't gotten tired of training or, you know, in, impacting people's lives. So that's kind of where we're at with, with Dark Wolf Fitness. Yeah,
1: man. I love it. <laughs> Lo- love the creativity behind it. You know, a little uh, extracurricular. <laughs> Just
2: a yeah. little, bit, little bit recreational. Yeah.
1: Hey, you know what? I'm sure everybody I here that's listening, you're not the only one.
2: No, yeah. no, no. My, my clients know too. They know how I came up with that logo. So that's it's cool. Always, that's always uh, a funny story to share. So yeah. Love it.
1: Appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, man. Um, cool. Well, um, Let's uh, dive into Dark Wolf Fitness a little bit more. Huh? you know, let's go kind of like elevator pitch a little bit, you know, walk us through exactly, you know, in detail, like what services do you offer when somebody comes to you? What is going to be like that, that first look experience, you know, like what are they going to walk into?
2: So on the private training, we always give out a free fitness consultation. When you're walking into uh, our gym, it's, it's a one-on-one, one one hour, um, getting to know who you are and your goals and what you want from us and how we can build that program. From the ground up, and then we put them through a functional movement screening (FMS), uh, and then we put them through a couple of functional movements as well. If it's a, a you know a standing row, a basic squat, uh, a lateral lunge, a push up, all those kind of good things, just kind of see where where they need help. If they're compensating anywhere throughout the movements, and how we can clean those movements up, because we want to make sure that your movement is efficient and fluid. Because um, if you don't clean that up, you're always going to have those issues compensating throughout the body six months in a year in when it comes to your program uh boot camp same thing you can boot camp's a little different a lot of it's word of mouth right now we're actually about to start working with glow Fox, the fitness software to help um have our own app and everyone um to kind of funnel that integration integration into the website as well but right now a lot of it right now is word of mouth we're not doing a lot of marketing so if you do come to camp it's you try it out for free for one week um and i always tell each camper that comes out to camp meet me before camp starts 15 minutes before so we kind of get to know each other i'll walk them through our our 10 minute warm-up through boot camp our 30 35 minute workout is the meat and potatoes and the last 10 minutes or so is our cool down of the boot camp um and really the great thing about coming to boot camp is that if you're new you just get immersed with love and passion like hey welcome to the pack and oh my gosh it's your first time you're gonna have a lot of fun blah 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 so they feel at home right away um so the program design, um, I've mentored three times with Alan and Rachel Cosgrove in California uh, since 2008. Um, the last time I mentored with Alan was in 2019. Um, so I've been really blessed and lucky to work with him when it when it comes to program design. And if you don't know who Alan and Rachel Cosgrove is, look them up, you can buy their books on Amazon. Uh, I think Alan, uh, he's from Scotland, but he is, uh, he's a wizard when it comes to program design. Um, so um, yeah, that's kind of you know what our clients get into, or what they what they if they do join. Um, we do have clients that join live stream at boot camp. Um, so I would say eighty percent of those clientele is in the Houston area. They just can't make it to the location in time from work. Traffic is horrible in Houston, so um, they get home right like at six p.m. and our camps at six fifteen in the evening. They're hopping on, and then I also record it with my GoPro with my tripod, lights and everything. So then after that, I come home, edit it, post it on our, on our site, and then people log in with their password and they can watch the the workout videos from whenever they have time to to get to their workouts. So
1: nice, so you kind of allow for that playback then, you know, they can they yep. can make it. And then are these online um subscribers are they like do they they pay a fee to be able to do the boot camp even though they're not like physically in the presence or how does that work?
2: Yeah, so it's a, it's, just, it's a flat fee for everybody. So it's just, it's this auto pay that we go through. We use Stripe. We go through them. Um, so we don't do any contracts uh, for bootcamp. It's month-to-month auto pay. And if you got to cancel, just give me 30 days ahead, and then you're good to go. So that's why we want to give everyone a, a week to two weeks free of bootcamp because we want to make sure that you like it, number one, right, and that it works with your schedule and that you can show up and be, be consistent. If you're consistent for two weeks or one week free, then obviously, if it works well with your schedule, let's join. Right, so
1: yeah, man, awesome. Uh, so you know, real quick, kind of like walk us through the facility. How big is it? How much staff do you have right now? Uh, how many have, members?
2: So I have no overhead. So right now, we actually have a gym garage. We actually built out our whole garage into a gym. So it's flooring, turf, squat racks, cable machines, um, it, and it's funny because when we when I started. Dark Wolf Fitness, that's how I started was in the gym garage with just a couple, just with really just dumbbells. And then we kind of just grew from there and made it into a gym. Now, we thought about getting a brick and mortar, but with my mentors, like with Alan Cosgrove, I'll have that conversation with him years ago. Yeah. This is actually before the pandemic happened. He said, you know, if you have no overhead, don't get a brick and mortar. Um, so we didn't get one. And then the pandemic happened. And then I had like a Uh, about eight or 10 friends of mine lose their gyms during the pandemic because they just couldn't afford it anymore. Right. The pandemic just killed a lot of small businesses. So we got very lucky. um, We got very lucky on that part. So we're still using the gym garage. We train. um, I train about 20 hours a week in the gym garage. The, the, the end game for me and for my wife, she's a nutrition coach as well and a trainer. um, The end game is not to do one-on-ones eventually. Um, there's, you know, there's only so many hours you can train during the day and for all the young trainers out there, you know, find balance, right? Because, uh, you know, I think every trainer like you and like I, when we started off a long time ago, you just worked your butt off to make money, right? And then you get burnt out. Um, so the, the, the end game is just to go to semi-private and group training. Um, hopefully by 2024, we can actually get away from private training and just focus on semi-private and group. So.
1: Awesome, man. Um, so with that, like, you know, being, a, that's kind of cool, you know, kind of different setting, you know, garage gym. Um, how many, you know, members physically in the studio do you service? Or is it so all I, like virtual?
2: Yeah. So I have, um, I have about 12 private clients. Um, they see me on average two times a week. I have some clients that see me three times a week. Um, I do two in-home uh, clients that I train. Uh, one has Parkinson's disease. So I'll go to, I'll go to his house and train okay. him. Okay. Uh, And then I have another client that she travels way too much and her her schedule is crazy. So I decided a long time ago to just go to her house. So uh, my wife has about the same 10, 12 clients. Uh, She trains about 80% of the time in their home. And she trains majority of her clientele are seniors. Um, Anywhere from 70 to I think her oldest is 86, 87. So um, that's kind of her niche. So she does a lot more in-home training where I do more home training in the gym garage.
1: Nice. Awesome, man. Um, and so, you know, you mentioned, excuse me, you know, you're not there yet. You know, um, have you ever thought of a time or, you know, a decision where, you know, you're going to take it to that brick and mortar facility or.
2: Yeah. I mean, we thought about it. So we had a brick and mortar in 2005, to 2010. Um, our business was originally called Focus Fitness Studio. Uh, and we did that after we left one of our fitness together, we opened our own studio and it was, you know, five private rooms. We had a couple of trainers that worked with us, um, and it just um, we kind of winged it. To be honest with you, as a business owner, we de- we didn't really know what we were getting into, and we we're very fortunate enough that a lot of our clientele left twenty four and came with us, um, and you know, within three to six months because they obviously had a fisher sessions at twenty four, um, but. So we've had it, we've experienced it, a lot of failures. We learned a lot what to do, what not to do. We spent a lot of money on certain equipment that we should have never, never bought. You know, so not necessarily hesitant to get a brick and mortar now. I think we can get a brick and mortar now if we wanted to. Um, but again, when you don't have the overhead right now and it's a surplus in a lot of ways, um, yeah. it's just hard to make that move. And especially with the economy right now, kind of iffy um and what's going to happen next year or the year after we just don't know um our, our main focus is to grow the outdoor boot camp um and so that's why we're working with the company uh glow Foxes, to help us bring in more clientele through funneling and lead uh lead generation and business management all yeah, that yeah stuff. absolutely that I, don't have, that I don't have time for because i hate i hate guerrilla marketing i mean we used to do that you know back when you know in 2001 two guerrilla marketing was like knocking. At people's businesses' doors, or putting flyers on people's windshields. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. So I, mean, I, I that today. I've done do that. that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't want to do that stuff anymore. So I just, I just. Yeah. That's not my uh, cup of tea. <laughs> that's not
1: that's the most most fun way to uh, you know spend your time. But you know, unfortunately, you know, it's one of those things where like if you don't do it, then you know you're missing out on an aspect of you know getting better. Oh,
2: yeah, and then if you're a new trainer or you're a you know a personal trainer in a, in a corporate gym, that's that's what you got to do. You got to hustle and grind the floor and do those kind of things. That's so uh like i said you know i've been there done that and i'm kind of just over that
1: (laughs) yeah no totally understand that man um so let's talk you know i know we kind of you know bespoke on it a little bit but you know like you know dark wolf you know you've got all of your experience you know the focus previous to that you know what's you know you want to grow your online presence but like let's talk like long-term goals so you know the next let's say i'll break it up to two parts we'll do like three to five years and then like five to 10 years, like where, like what, what's going to, and obviously we, you know, without knowing the unknown, yeah. what's kind of the direction, where do you want to take it? How do you want to feel, look and be in that timeframe? Like, do you want, you know, I'll open up to you.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And we've actually, that's something my wife and I talk about all the time is what our goals are three to five years and five to 10. So three to five, our goal is to grow the outdoor camp to 250 to 400 uh, campers. Um, the goal for me is to step back as a, as a trainer, hire a couple of trainers. We have one trainer that we have that she runs in one of our camps in Clear Lake, but the goal is to bring in two more trainers, three more trainers, run those locations so I can step back and just be the program designer, oh, yeah. and fo- focus more on the business aspect of it, the management part of it, uh, and look in other ways, uh, of giving more services, producing more services for, for those campers as well. Um, And then five to 10 years really is just the same thing. I I really want to be able to be in Houston, Dallas, and Austin and have these camps spread throughout Texas. Uh, So that's the main goal in five to 10 years. um, Where I'm still the program designer, I'm doing all the programming. So the trainers just have to show up and follow the program uh, and just make it a great time for every member out there that's joining the camp. Um, So yeah, so right now, the three to five right now, that's what we're working on now is to grow it um, update our website, uh, working on a future app that we'll have hopefully by March or April. Um, and then, you know, we have apparel as well that we want to focus on, uh, the next 35 years too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, long-term is for me to step back, have more time with family. I think balance is important. Um, I've had a lot of failure, you know, fails in my life as a personal trainer. And I think the biggest one for me is, is time. Um, I wasted a lot of time working too much, uh, and not getting anything out of it. Right. So, and it's sad to look at it now because there's a gap where, you know, I lost a lot of time with my son, um, you know, from the age of, you know, two to six, because I was too focused on the numbers, um, at corporate gyms. Right. So that's something now that I don't do. I have balance now that I spend, I don't miss any games for my son's football games or my daughter's soccer games. I'm always there. Um, so yeah, so Five ten years is freedom, time, um, and that's it, man. And family, right? So that's the long term.
1: That it is. That it is to be able to have that freedom and you know that uh we'll say residual. Yeah. You know, I I got a six year old, so I I definitely feel that. You know, I uh, I want to be able to be there for practices, games, you know, life, everything. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a good goal to strive for. And, you know, I feel like increasing that, or uh, excuse me, increasing member base programming, you know, add-ons here and there, whatever you'd come up with dark World fitness, you know, that's, you're going to get you that much closer to that, that long-term goal.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah. Especially, you know, if you uh, foresee yourself staying in, you know, the Houston area long-term or maybe like a different area of Texas, you know, or wh- whatever the future holds. So it's, it's just having that freedom to be able to do those things without concern.
2: That's it, man. It's it's, it's important. Like you said earlier, traveling too, right? Traveling is very important to us too as a family. So having that as well is is key for us. So,
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cool, man. Lots of good things going on. Uh, So so some of the things that I'd like to ask is, you know, what, in your experience and, you know, obviously, you know, having like more garage base now um, from like the, you know, the brick and mortar, what's kind of like been the differences between the two, you know, obviously there's clearly there's building versus no building versus you know that but like what's kind of been like you know pros and cons of being in the facility versus being in the garage um and you know kind of like walk us through that experience
2: yeah i think the difference between brick and mortar and um gym garage like we said are first of all overhead right so you're gonna save tons of money having a gym garage versus you know you're having rent and everything else that you that comes with uh with a brick and mortar i mean also the positive for brick and mortar is that you're you're out in public you're seen you have a building you have your logo on it you have your name people see it you know we're in a cul-de-sac we're in a a gym garage in a house so we don't have a sign i don't have flags outside or whatever so i think those are the probably the big two is is the is being seen you know having that brick and mortar um having walk-ins right um Easy to be found on Google Maps. Obviously, we can't use my house on Google Maps for the gym garage, right? Um, we use more of our boot camps addresses on Google Maps for that. But um, yeah, those are probably the two differences. I think um, I would love to have a brick and mortar. I think you know, in in you know, four to five years, I would love to to take Dark Wolf Fitness and have our semi-private in a brick and mortar. Um, I also have my DBA in Dark Wolf Coffee. I'm a big coffee snob, so I'd love to have a coffee shop inside the gym Um, yeah yeah. so that's I would love to have that but um, right now like I said I think the biggest difference is just the overhead right that's the I mean we're saving probably $10,000 a month just not having a brick and mortar to be honest with you because you got you got rent you got electricity you got you know whatever software you're using and you got trainers in there that you're paying and all and so it just you know it all adds up like I said we've been there done that Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, if I if we do go back into that brick and mortar one day, and I hope we do, is we're going to learn from my failures and what we what we did well and what we didn't do well too. So,
1: yeah, it's almost kind of like you 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 had the luxury to not luxury, but you had the the option to pull it into a garage, like you said, save that. Yeah. But then, you know, now it's like, oh man, like the light bulbs are starting to click. Like, okay, we can do this next time. We can do this next time, and like you start to have like this list of all right, this is how we're going to tackle it when we get to that point. Yeah. So And,
2: you know, and I was like, you know, speaking about the pandemic, you know, I think that really put a, a nail in the coffin in in my motivation for about 2 years. Like I just didn't I was really stagnant and you know, we all been there as trainers, you, you know, you get you kind of get stuck, you kind of get burnt out, you don't know what to do next. So for like 2 years, we kind of just, you know, for me personally, I was just stagnant and was not motivated to not necessarily grow. I just didn't want to put any work into it. Right. I got almost to the point where I just got comfortable. Uh, and then, you know, um, I'll tell you what, one morning in late December, this past December, I looked at my Google analytics and I looked at how many visits our website got. And I got like 1100 visits in December. And I didn't get one client and it pissed me off. So that was kind of a kick in the butt of like, okay, if I got that many people visiting our site, then we got to do something about it. we got to really get our name out there and push it. Because right now, our growth right now is just word of mouth, right? And that's great. It's great marketing. You get loyal people. Our retention um, is, you know, we've had retention of our clients now for four to six years, right? So they've just been with us for a long time. And um, between camp and private clients, we probably have about 115, 120 clients total. Um, But that was the big wake up call is that people are visiting, but they're not buying. They're visiting and they're not reaching out so that was the big wake up wake up call for me that you know what i got to have a plan and we got to make this thing happen right so
1: yeah man. and then just remind me and the listeners you know you're obviously your your garage is not massive by any means no um, so do you physically go out to places for the boot camps or is that really where like it's like that that online portion
2: so the boot camp is at three locations is that two schools that i um I'm cool with the school district. They let me use their parking lot. Uh, and nice. then you know, the third location is at Pasadena at a Methodist church. They let us use our par- their parking lot as well. Um, so we're always outside. If it's bad weather, we just do live stream. And I'll do live stream from my garage. And everyone will just log on live stream and do the workout from home. Um, so, you know, for example, this week has been really bad weather. It's been like 35 degrees and raining. Well, we're not going to go outside and freeze to death, right, and get wet at the same time. So, we decided to just all do the live stream uh, for the morning camps. Um, so, yeah. So, we have actually three physical locations that we do, uh, like I said, in Lake City and Clear Lake, area.
1: Nice, man. That's so cool to be able to, you know, what um, being outside, you know, so what, what um, give us some examples of like the types of equipment? Is it all this like body weight based resistance bands, you know, benches, you know, kind of like what describe like the setup outside? Like, if I were to go into one of your camps, what am I going to walk into? So
2: you're going to walk in, usually when, when a new client or new camper reaches out, we tell them to bring a mat, They have a mat, and then bring what dumbbells you might have. If you don't have that, we provide that. So our program is built on four phases of strength uh, training. Um, we don't do any cardio-based workouts. Like, I'm not going to make you run or, or do silly burpees or box jumps. Or I just I'm, not, I'm a strength coach, so I don't do that. <laughs> if you want to go run, go do that on your own time. um so uh it's four phases each phase is four weeks so four-week program so phase one is endurance strength phase two is strength uh so we go heavy less reps uh phase three is performance so um a lot of like snatches and swings we all bring kettlebells out uh, sandbags uh battle ropes um and then phase four is is um sorry phase three is power phase four is performance so what happens on like phase one and two we just do a lot of body weight and dumbbells uh, for phase two we do heavy dumbbells phase three is power so we'll bring the sandbags and the battle ropes sandbells, and all that great stuff and then phase four is performance where it's kind of just phase one and three all smashed together and we just really kick ass on phase four uh, and that's where i bring more equipment out um trx is like i said the battle ropes kettlebells the dumbbells the bands all the work so i'll bring that all out to camp where all the campers need to bring is their their dumbbells whatever dumbbells they have so
1: nice man um cool so you know very very uh much a variety of different things and you know the phases and you know the 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 program and everything it's very
2: sorry go ahead no no go ahead it's very similar to i'm sure a lot of listeners have, have heard of it of camp gladiator um yeah but Camp Gladiator, they base their program on a week basis. And, and we know when it comes to program design, your body needs to, to get immune to a program for at least four weeks, right? Adapt. Uh, and Camp Gladiator is a lot of running and that, that's, you know, they're a great business. They've done well for years. Um, but I learned from that is, you know, I don't want to do that. I want to actually base it on real programming and real strength training, so.
1: Nice, man. Um, so what I was going to ask is, you know, so kind of give our listeners like an idea, like, you know, maybe they're looking to write a program and stuff like that. Like how long, what's kind of like the time frame and like the thought process that goes into like your
2: programming? Well, so the thought, so when I first became a trainer, I was a shitty trainer. Um, I was like almost every trainer, you just wing it. Right. Mm-hmm. You just, you were, I was the trainer that the, the client would walk in the front door and you're putting a workout together right there. And then, right. That's how bad it was. Right. Um, that's why Alan Costgro, when I mentored with him with my wife in two thousand eight, I just really needed help of real programming because I had a lot of clients not seeing change or clients getting hurt or clients hitting plateaus uh so programming that was it. I went through the cost went through the cost grows the first time, and that really opened a whole new box a can of whip ass when it came to programming. I was just blown away how simple it was and how efficient and effective it was when it came to programming. And just, it's just progressive overload. If you really think about it. Right. So um, you know, every four weeks, if I have a client their their first, their program is going to be based on four sets of 15 reps for four weeks. And that let's say Adam comes to me three times a week. We have a workout A and a workout B and a workout C that we do for four weeks. Right. So we keep those same three workouts for four weeks. And then after four weeks, we take measurements. And then we do a whole new program. So now instead of four sets of 15, we're doing four sets of 10 reps. So now our goal is to find the best weight to challenge you to that last rep, right? That progressive overload. So that's what we're seeing. And by week 12, week 16, you're seeing some dramatic changes because we're taking measurements every four, four weeks as well, right? Uh, so that's the same thing we're doing with camp. It's the same kind of programming and the same kind of program that we do with our clients. Um, now, you know, me sitting down putting a program, program together, Really, it takes me like five minutes now. Or, you know, back then, 10, 15 years ago, it would take me an hour to figure it all out. But you know, I've been doing it for so long. Um, it just, it's just go, 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 right? So uh, it's pretty quick now for me um, building a program for anybody, so.
1: Nice. All that experience is paying off.
2: Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, programming, most definitely. Awesome, man. <clears throat> uh,
1: well, as we uh, make our way through the, the meat and potatoes here, man, you know, talk to us about, like, you know, you mentioned you know dark horse coffee and like you know some like apparel and stuff like that so kind of like what kind of like marketing things are you doing right now currently for your facility obviously like we we all know no brick and mortar but like what kinds of like different things are you doing you know is it like you know website pictures you know just social media posts things like that you know walk us through that
2: yeah so the biggest drive for us right now i think is social media is uh it's instagram is my biggest following um uh facebook business page i have twitter that I just started recently i never did twitter until now like two weeks ago uh, but instagram is the biggest one well we'll do a couple of marketing ads throughout the year um, and we might get a couple of leads uh through those uh marketing ads um our website as well um we'll get like i said earlier we get tons of visits but no one's no one's committing right so that's why going through this company here soon will help us funnel all that um but yeah so i'll post anywhere from two to three posts a day um, if it's, uh, you know, marketing the boot camp, if it's marketing one-on-one training, if it's a motivational quote, if it's a workout video, uh, if it's, uh, advertising, our wolves, not sheep apparel, whatever. Um, I try to post two to three times a day and I have it in my Google scheduled a little alert to let me know to, Hey, it's time to post something. Um, but yeah, well, I probably spend 80% of my marketing, uh, through Instagram right now is my big one so I think we have like 25,000 followers on that um oh man there you go but I've had it since 2018 right so it's been a a long time to grow it but um and again you know there's days where I'm just super pumped and motivated to to post and there's days where I'm just like uh you know I'm running out of ideas I don't know what to post right so
1: (laughs) Hey, you just looked at TikTok or, you know, t- type in that and, you know, now, yep. now they have a little chat GPT thing going on. and
2: I know, man. it's amazing. Or FYP for your page. I mean, it's always something. New hashtag. Yeah, there's
1: page. always something, right? Always. <laughs> uh, well, JJ, uh, last couple questions here for you. Yeah. You know, I always ask this literally at the end of every show, so why not ask it again? you know, uh, for those, you know, and I, I like your situation because you're not in the mortar and brick right now, but you've had the experience. So from your experience or your wife's experience, whatever, you know, somebody that, you know, doesn't have capital or overhead or, you know, doesn't want to, you know, what, what is your advice for somebody just to, you know, get going? Maybe they're just starting out of their own gym, their own garage, their own house, you know, basement, whatever kind of walk us through, you know, some tips and advice that you just give somebody that wants to start into the career
2: yeah i mean if you're a if you're going into a new uh if you're going into a, being a personal trainer you're new to it you just got certified whatever i think the biggest experience you can get is go work for a brick and mortar gym if it's if it's a big life if it's a lifetime or or you know uh equinox or snap fitness or wh- whoever's out there orange theory go get the experience i think that's the most important thing i think as a personal trainer, there's a reason why it's just personal in front of trainer, right? Is to gain the experience, customer service, and, and really for any personal trainer, I think the biggest thing is having empathy for people, is to understand where they're coming from. I think a lot of times trainers get into this position. They think they know everything. They think, oh, the, my idea is just to work them out till they vomit, right? I'm going to work out till you throw up and all this stuff. Just go go go, right? And they so they get certified, they get a big ego, and they just try to kill every client that comes in. I would tell every new trainer is to is to work for a gym, a box gym. If it's a small business gym, or if it's a big corporate gym, educate yourself. Read lots of books. Uh, find trainers that you that you find common ground with. If it's Alan Cosgrove, if it's Mike Boyle, if it's Greg Cook. Brett Contreras, whoever it is, find somebody, read, learn, do workshops, um, and just really feel the people. I think human connection goes a long way. And for personal trainers out there, I think one of the blessings I've had that's kept me in the game for a long time and it's kept me passionate about what I do is loving the people that you have, listening to to them. Um, Because it's not about us. At the end of the day, if you got a client come in and you're vomiting all your drama, right, on them, they're leaving that gym not motivated they didn't get a good workout in they they weren't able to get their stuff off their chest right that's why they come see you right stressful job you know long day being a full-time mom whatever it is they're there to burn that steam off and if you just ruin that by vomiting your stuff um it just really it's just a really big turnoff we've all been there i've done it right as a miss. that's probably my first year or two in as a trainer, those are the mistakes I made, but, uh, as a new trainer coming in, I think that's, that's the most important is get the experience, um, from a brick and mortar or for a small gym, corporate gym, uh, show empathy, right. Show that you really do care, treat every, every client differently, right. Not only on a, on a, an emotional, uh, aspect of it, but also programming, right. Don't have the same program for all 10 clients, right. Cause the problem with that is that people start noticing that, right. Like, they like, man, he's training a 65 year old like he trains a 22 year old. So that's all the things I've learned. I think, you know, at, a, at an early age in my career as a PT, the biggest problem for me was ego. It, it was that. It was, I thought I was hot shit and I wasn't. I was a horrible trainer, had no connection with people. And I've learned throughout the years that the mistakes I've made that personal training is truly a blessing job to have. You are the front line when it comes to health and fitness. You are the ones that are keeping your people from visiting the doctor. You're the one of getting them off their medication for diabetes too, right? We are the front line when it comes to health and fitness, especially nowadays with the crazy pandemic and everything else happening. I mean, take pride of what you do. And, you know, and if, to your second question, jumping from a trainer to a brick and mortar, you know, if you don't have the money, you don't have all that, you know, Kat and I, when we saw our, our first brick and mortar in 2006, five, six, um, we didn't have a lot of money either. Um, we were, we were very lucky enough to borrow some money from our family to get us started. Um, wasn't a lot, but it was just like our first month or two rent in. Um, but if you don't have that, even if you live at a gym and you've got some clients, you know, you got that clause where you can't take your clients with you. Um, like you said earlier, just get them to, get them to come to your gym, your, your garage and train them or go to their house and train them, build a small business like that. Um, You know, social media is huge on that Um, word of mouth is the best marketing you ever have because it's free. Um, It is hard. It's it's a really hard thing to do to transition from a gym giving you clients. Right. Helping you fill up your schedule from leaving and trying to start your own business. You just got to take the risk and do it. Um, That's why it's important to to work for a small gym or a big corporate gym is to learn. Right. Learn and get as much education as you can build that clientele, build that, that community of people that you have with you. So when you do leave, um, and I hate to say this, but it always happens to every trainer, every trainer that leaves a big gym, they're going to take their clientele with them. If it's right away or six months down the road, um, you know, you have the whole, uh, compete clause where you can't do that, but eventually they're going to come to you. Right. So it's important to build that clientele and community at those gyms. Right. Because if you do decide to leave, You'll have some people come with you that that at least help you make some money right off the bat, right? But it, it is hard. I mean, it's it's a hard uh, thing to do, but it's totally worth it when you eventually are able to work on your own and find that balance and that time, right? So,
4: yeah, man, um, you hit
1: it on the head. You know, it's like you touched on several points. It's like you're doing it with quality and passion. You know, like you're you're not just you train 10 people the same way. They're going to talk and be like, Hey, I did this the other day. Oh yeah, me too. And You're thirty years younger than I am. What the heck? You know, like, yep. you know, you got that going on. And then it's like, um, excuse me. It's like, okay, you have, you, you have the programming design for each person and you're also in it to make a difference in the people's lives. You're not just in it to like throw a program together. Anybody can throw a program together, you know, 20 minutes to be like, all right, I can train 10 people this way. You know, it's just like, you know, having the, the, the integrity, knowing that you're doing this for the right reasons, you know, you're obviously everybody wants to make money. Every business owner wants to make some kind of money. You know, they got to make money. You got to stay afloat. You got to be able to pay your bills. You got to be able to, you know, buy new equipment, replace stuff, you know, refunds, you know, all, all the, you know, the stuff. So, you know um, that and everything else, you know, it's it's just very much, you know, you got to, you got to put in the work you, I would have never known anything that I know if I didn't go work for somebody else first.
2: Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Like,
1: Could I have done it? Could I have researched? And yeah, it would have taken me twice as long, three times Mm -hmm. as long, because you got to take what you learn and then you got to go implement it. And then you don't have anybody to tell you, well, you shouldn't do this because of this. And you you need to try this, but you're your own critic at that point versus you have owners that clearly have some kind of knowledge and background and they've actually done the work. So therefore it's going to be more credible and you're going to learn faster than you know if you were to do it the other way so
2: yeah and just being open-minded to learn man and ask lots of questions right go into like you said anyone can put a workout together and that's the crazy thing is that you don't even have to be certified to do that to think about that right i can get my 14 year old son and say hey put a workout program together right i mean seriously so that's one of that's why it's very important if i if i can give anything to new trainers educate yourself read program design and just learn how to connect with people, right? Just, you know, live through their lives and just let them know when they walk in that you're all ears, man. Because that, that goes a long way, man. When you when you really just show empathy for people. It, I mean, re, I think retention, why some trainers can have long-term retention is because trainers, you build a relationship with these people. A lot of these people are coming to you. They're telling you things that they might, might not be telling their significant other, right? It's because they feel comfortable with you in the sense of like, I mean, I'm having a hard time with this job, or I'm a hard time being a mom, or I'm a hard time being a dad. I mean, it, you're just there to listen and, and to help them feel good, right? So Absolutely. those those are probably the best advice I can give to, to new trainers is, is learn, man. Learn, 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 and just love your people, man. Be thankful for what you do, so.
1: Yeah, love it. Love the passion, you know, everything behind it. Um, last thing here as we wrap up, go ahead and give a shout out to your facility on um, on air you know let, let our listeners know how can they reach you if they want to do an online class um you know with you uh mm-hmm. you, know, you said website tiktok facebook you know you know give, give shout outs for everything so we can reach out to you
2: i appreciate that yeah so it's just it's darkwoodfitness.com um you can reach out uh, at Um you can give me a call text 469-879-4312 you can follow us on instagram Dark Wolf Fitness, tiktok Dark Wolf Fitness, facebook Dark Wolf Fitness. Um. Yeah, and then we also have apparel. If you're you're looking at, you know, getting a cool shirt that says "Wolves Not Sheep" on it. Uh, it's wolvesnotsheep.shop. Um. So yeah, man, I'm always here. And even for new trainers, you're more than welcome to to reach out if you need recommendations for what books to read. I have over 300 books in my uh, bedroom. That's just it's all health and fitness. Um. So if you ever need any recommendations. Uh reach out to me. I would love to help any trainer. I'm also affiliated with NASM. So if you get certified with NASM and you live in the Houston area, you can actually do your mentorship with me for eight weeks. Get your 80 hours in. Um so always remember that for any new trainers out there with NASM uh in the Houston area, you can always mentor with Dark World Fitness. Uh but yeah, I would love to help any new trainer starting out, man. I, I used to do that for 24 Fitness and Equinox, uh as trained trainers, right? So um I would love to be a part of anyone's new uh path and personal training so
1: awesome man well jj man i appreciate that and all the listeners out there you know give him a like and a follow on you know social media pages and you know uh check out one of his online boot camps you know it definitely sounds like it's going to rock you and they sweat a little bit so i'm looking forward to it um but for everybody else tuning in if you know this story inspired you or you know gave you the 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 fire to come onto the show and talk about your business and everything that you do and your passion and how you want to inspire others, please click on the link below, type in your information. We'll be in touch and we'll get you on the show until then though. That's another
0: episode of the gym Lords podcast. Gym Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer and make more money.
5: what's going on everyone welcome back to another episode of the gym lords podcast i'll be your host today my name is hannah and joining us on the show is bonnie lefrac owner of the fitness asylum in central mass bonnie welcome to the show how are you today
6: i'm doing great hannah thanks for having me
5: yes we're super excited to have you on before we dive into the business and how you run it first tell us about what made you want to start a gym in the first place
6: Uh, You know what, I don't think that I ever was like, I'm going to start my own gym, probably like a lot of entrepreneurs, you just end up doing what you love. And so truthfully, the fitness asylum was not my first stab at a gym, but um, I ended up starting the fitness asylum in 2011 after I was fired from a pretty high level regional fitness director job with a big corporate entity. Um, about six months prior to that. So um, what happened, of course, like a lot of people in the fitness industry, I love fitness. I love training. I loved working with people. I wanted to get people results. And so found, you know, a small place to sublet and I, I realized if I wanted to have more flexibility and have more, you know, time to work with clients, I probably are, I'm going to, I'm going to need a space and when I rented the space, I really, is just so interesting. I just, I didn't have a business plan. I didn't think of it as a business. I just thought of it grew very quickly. And at some point within the first year, I think the first year, year and a half, I kind of realized, okay, I have something here and I'm probably going to need to pay attention to it as a business. So I started like a lot of fitness entrepreneurs, just simply for the love of fitness and also uh, wanting to help women strength train. I think that was really a big goal of mine um, to help women learn about strength training, learn about lifting weights and find that, you know, physical strength and find that inner strength for themselves.
5: Yeah, that's a really cool story. I'm curious, you know, whenever you were let go from your director job, how did you know it was right to open your own gym? Like, how did you have the confidence? What made you say
6: like, I can do it, I can go open my own thing? Honestly, um, you know, I it is interesting when I, and I've done a lot of reflecting back on it, um, you know, about because I you know, I work with so many clients, and I know um, I understand, right, our own mindset and how fear can hold you back and what if it doesn't work and what if this fails. I had actually had a gym that I launched a couple of years prior to that. So I had a business. It failed. I went back into corporate fitness. I got fired, so I'm coming out of like fail. I feel like wow, you know, a lot of a lot of failing here. And I, I honestly, um, when I, I think about some of the things I've done in my life, I, when you follow your and you understand right i think people who love fitness, and love working out um, have found a home in fitness i place just a lot of belief in that i don't know that i necessarily really contemplated belief in that i see through fitness i can see Working out, lifting weight, um, that I can teach it and I'm enthusiastic about it. And, you know, I do, I really wish, you know, this big realization that I could do it and that I had to do a lot of pep talking for myself. I think part of it, too, to be perfectly honest, is I didn't really have, I didn't see that I had a choice that I felt like, you know what? I don't have any money. I don't have a savings account. I'm going to be on unemployment. And I need to, like, make something work. And I don't want to say that I did this out of desperation or fear, but I just did it out of, like, self-sufficiency. Like, I know what to do. I know how to train people. I'm good at it. People want to work with me. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to lean into the fact that I can get people results and, and that's it. All the other business stuff, build the, build the plane as you fly. I was literally building the plane as it flew. And, you know, we flew fast for sure. Um, and there were, there were some, there were some, I, I wish there was this like one pivotal moment, but I think in the, in my heart of hearts it was really about um leaning into the things I did know to be true and I just freaked fitness people were just passionate about being fit getting fit your own personal fitness journey I just knew that they're like I, I could I could rest my hat on that and it and it played out well
5: yeah that's that, awesome
6: yeah I hope yeah, that answers the, the that. question
5: It does. Yeah. It sounds like your back was against the wall and it was either like, like you didn't really have a choice. You're like, I have to make something work. And you trusted in yourself to make it happen and you went for it and it paid off. And so I think that's, that's really cool. Um, But tell us the fitness asylum now in 2023, how do you describe it to somebody? You know, what are the services that you offer? What can someone expect if they pay you a visit?
6: Sure. That's a great question, right? After all these years, where are we at now? So the fitness asylum, we have four locations. What is unique? I think about the four locations they're all fairly close to each other so if someone wanted to be a member with us for most of our members the four locations are within reach i would say in you know 15 minutes 20 minute drive max you could be at another one of our locations and so a member has access to four different and unique locations obviously the services would be the same we offer a boot camp format with a couple different variations we we recognize, um, you know, I I think part of it is you know knowing that people love uh, a boot camp format, but sometimes, like all things, we want to have a little change. We want it to go faster, or we want it to go slower. We want to you know use different equipment. Um, and I think what really stands out besides the four locations um, and a really time tested uh, fitness program, like our programming is very solid. We've been obviously perfecting it for the last 13 years. Uh, we have, uh, transformation programs and two in particular really have stood the test of time. One is called the 12 week body challenge. And I literally had the first group in by the end of January, 2011, like a couple of weeks after I opened the doors, I just was like, okay, we're doing this. And I reached out to clients, um, and got it together very organically. And it's been happening three times a year since 2011. Um, We have a very large, uh, we have a very good retention rate. So a lot of people will continue with it because they really understand, you know, if you want to lose weight and keep it off, you have to really practice, you know, some of these habits and you want to learn how to maintain your weight. And the other program we have is actually um, a little unusual. Uh, We do contest prep so we take every day average women who've never gotten on stage to compete and done a transformation program i mean it's almost like you hear that program couch to 5k it's almost like couch to the stage um we have this transformation program it is um known as our bikini transformation program or bikini you know transformation and physique team because at this point now that we're hitting our 10th year with that and into our 20th season, we, we've had a lot of success. We've had over 105 pro card wins. So we have not only just a transformation leg of this program, we have seasoned competitors and people who've gone on to, you know, be fairly high level uh, in nat and in, in real federations, right? So we're taking women and we're putting them in a real show last, uh, last may i don't even know last november no last october i don't even know what month we're in we're in january 2023 <laughs> yeah last october what we did to really up the ante is we actually created our own show as well so our clients get their own stage as well as being able to participate in other national i should say international federation so we have um we have a lot going on. And I I think some people, you know, and the beautiful thing about the body challenge and our bikini program, it really expands our footprint. So not only, so if you're somebody who doesn't live in Massachusetts, hey, no problem. You could live in Texas. You could live in California. You could live in Europe. You could live anywhere in the world and do one of these programs with us. Um, and even before the pandemic, that was the case. I just think with the pandemic, More and more people were really sort of like, oh, right. Yeah, I can't I can do anything online. I can do it via zoom. I can, you know, do it via email. I can, I can participate with whatever community or people I want to Um, and the pandemic was really an opportunity for us to, you know, even, you know, grow a little bit more that way.
5: Yeah, that's that's great that you saw the pandemic as an opportunity to branch out in your services and it didn't, you know, hinder you as at least to the point where you'd have to close, obviously, still still in business years later. So, yeah, I think that's awesome that you were able to pivot. Um, but tell me about how you were able to get the word out about your gym, you know, at the beginning versus now. How do you market yourself and, and get the word out that you're there?
6: Yeah, things have changed a lot. Um, as we all know, right? Things have changed a lot. My team is always like, oh, Bonnie, because I'll always reference, well, back when we opened in 2011, blah, you know, and I will always be like, but this is how it used to be. And 2000 seemed like it was that long ago, but it really is in this landscape. You know, things are moving so quickly. Even in 2011, although, you know, Facebook obviously existed, it wasn't. It's not the same that it is today. We started in 2011, strictly word of mouth, very organic. And that was the time to do it. I think word of mouth, organic, things were not automated at all. I I mean, if I sent emails, they weren't automated. It was really me sending an email to as many people as I could. My email account would regularly get shut down for spam because I would be trying to, right, it was so like, again, lemonade stand, right? I'm like bootstrapping this baby and I'm, you know, not very tech oriented. I don't know what I don't know, but I know how to send an email, except when you try to send an email to a hundred people and a hundred people and a hundred people, right? Your email gets shut down. Um, it was, it was word of mouth. It, I mean, literally, I tell you, I had people, they would message me or leave me, they'd call me and leave me a message. Um, or email me and say, hey, yeah, I slipped money under the door of the gym. (laughs) Can you sign me up for that program? Um, Cash, right? Like literally people are slipping cash. They're leaving cash and checks in the mailbox of this business. Um, It was a total, it's just a totally different time where we are now Um, is more challenging for sure. Like we in the last, coming out of the pandemic and it, you know, things were happening as quickly as we went into lockdowns and as quickly as you got out of lockdowns and the landscape changing so quickly, we've had to do a lot more with Facebook ads, with being very creative with intros, with really leaning into member referrals, uh, with doing a lot more on email marketing and growing our email list and having, you know, lead magnets. And, you know, so we look at the brick and mortar business as one lane, which, you know, coming out of the pandemic, yeah, we lost two, two maybe 300 members. I mean, we lost a lot of members, but we did have a lot of members who stayed because we pivoted very quickly online, right? We were doing classes online. We we're keeping our membership going online. Uh, but I would say uh, we've been learning as, you know, things have changed to get you know new people into the gym, to invite people back, uh, to really uh, use the mailing list that we had, and you know really maximize that, and reaching out to people, and you know, in many ways, you know, trying to reestablish that connection as much as things are automated and online trying to you know connect with them on the phone, trying to connect via you know Facebook Messenger, like trying to do all the ways and all the things. It's a really, you know, it's, it's a very noisy network out there. And gyms are opening up and programs are opening up and you know, trying to stay in front of your client is a lot different than it was with Boutique Fitness in 2011. Um, very different. And you know, I think it's uh, challenging, but I think it's also kind of a game, right? Trying to figure out like, okay, life is a game. You just got to figure out the rules. So we're always uh, readjusting and my, you know, and we've, we've spent money to, you know, bring in good vendors who understand uh, Facebook ads and understand, you know, how to get in front of your right client. But, you know, it's, I, I, there is not one answer to it, but I will say for anybody listening, um, your clients are out there. It's just a really, it's just a very noisy landscape. People are scrolling and they're scrolling fast and, you know, you just have to um, be really persistent with it.
5: Yeah, definitely. I totally hear you on how it's changed a lot. Like back in 2011, people came in because a friend referred them. They love the gym. They stay. Now it's like, they get on their phone at lunchtime and there's seven other gyms telling them to come in there instead, or, you know, there's so many options out there now. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's important to learn what, what is the correct, you know, target for your demographic and how to get it out there and what they're going to click on. It's just so much more nuanced to
6: know, especially with social. It really, it is. It's, um, It changes very, it just, and it's changing so rapidly where, right, 2011, you could be like, that lasted for two years, right? That was very slow growth and social media was very different. I mean, I don't know, um, probably people have seen in their Facebook memories, it'll come up like from 2008 or 2009, like your weird post, like it was just, nobody, it was very, you know, pre, it was, you know. I'm getting all these uh, phone calls. It's funny. I got to get rid of these people. Um, Yeah, it was very different. Um, But I, you know, I think it, if you look at it, that it, that your people are out there, they want to hear from you. You just have to be really creative um, and come up with those, you know, intro offers, uh, open houses, uh, you know, make a lot of offers, I think is probably um, one thing that, sometimes as business owners, we forget, is to make more offers. Um, You know, if someone didn't take you up on the offer, it doesn't mean that they don't want it. It means maybe they didn't see it. Maybe today is not the right day, and you have to just keep talking to them. Um, And, you know, that's where I think it is interesting. Mindset now um, seems to play a bigger role uh, because you can really get in your own head thinking, You know, where is everybody or nobody wants to work out. I just think they have a lot of, a lot of different things in their, in their feed and in their, in their ears and they're, they're looking for the voice that stands out and the one that's going to stand out is the one that keeps talking.
5: Yes, yeah, you have to be persistent. It's like that saying like the squeaky wheel gets the grease. <laughs> it's totally true, especially in, in advertising. But I want to hear like now what are your goals? So you know, you've been in business for 13 years, you know, have four locations. What's next for the fitness asylum?
6: What's your what, 2023 goal? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Right now, um, our goal is to expand our team, um, sort of the management team to You know, I'm going back to my roots of corporate fitness. I'm looking for those corporate fitness people, so I know that they have the same background I did, where they know the KPIs, right? Those uh, key performance uh, indicators. They know metrics. They the metrics of the business. They know um, they know numbers. They know how to grow a business. We, but have been sort of cat, like there's a ceiling there and the ceiling, I think for most people in businesses, um, you know, we ask ourselves how, how do I grow? But in many cases is as, as sort of cheesy as this might sound. Does anybody even say the word cheesy anymore? Anyway, I'm dating myself. It's it's who, who do you need to bring into your team? I really do believe strongly that, um, And I get it, right? A lot of us start as solopreneurs doing everything. I mean, literally taking out the trash, cleaning the toilet, uh, doing all the stuff. And you start to scale when you bring in someone else to teach some classes and someone else to do some Facebook ads for you. But now to get to that next level in 2023, we will expand our team, if not by one, maybe two or three high level, um, like, you know, Looking for those big dogs, so to speak, people who are going to come in and maybe open up that one-on-one training or small group training or some specialty classes uh, to just look get that outside perspective um, to see where we're going. I don't, you know, I don't see ourselves necessarily, rep, you know, moving into another location, going to five or six um, until we actually strengthen our team um, in this way and really bring it, you know, really start looking at numbers, um, and taking sort of, a, a bigger approach, even though we're still a small community and we still have that boutique, you know, fitness feel. Um, I really think in order to make it bigger, um, even with our, you know, online programs, how do we get those into more people's, Homes, you know, how do we help more people? And we just need to invest in those high-level, uh, you know, type of fitness professionals. Yeah, definitely. I totally hear you on that. There's
5: always room for ascension in the current business, and so I think there's totally room for that. Um, and nailing down those systems, getting someone who's who's done it before in that corporate level that can kind of shed an extra light, um, I think, is is super important. Um, and I like that you mentioned, you know, bringing people in. It's like we can try to be solopreneurs for so long, but at some point we're going to have to outsource and, you know, and, and find those people that maybe have expertise that we don't. Um, So I think that's, that's a good tip for the listeners as well. I, Um, yeah,
6: for sure. I think that's for anybody listening and you want to grow. um, You can grow on your own, right? We have all been there and you do all the things and you can work 60, 70, 80 hours a week, and you could be in the business. Um, But it's, a ticket to burnout, and you will grow much faster. Even though you think, "Oh, do I have the money to do it?" You you, ha- you don't have the money to not do it, right? Um, so, yeah, that's that's a huge lesson.
5: Yeah, I I love what you said there. Um, but Bonnie, what would be your biggest piece of advice to somebody who wants to own a gym someday? A lot of our listeners um, are aspiring gym owners, and they listen um, to to shed some light on what to expect. What would be your biggest piece of advice to them if they wanted to, to open a business, open a gym?
6: Wow. What a great question. Right. Um, so many one. things I know it's as well. Cause right. There's so many things that, um, here's, here's my biggest piece of advice. If you want to open a gym, then you should, <laughs> right. You should, you should, because, and here's, and here's what it is living in indecision takes up a ton of mental space you will always be, you know, sort of spinning around and around in your head. Make a decision. Either you're doing it or you're not doing it. And I think um, all the other things, you you know, a checklist of all the things you need, no problem. That stuff's out there. The one thing that nobody can help you with is your own brain, right? You have to make the decision that you're doing it, that you're all in. you're going, You're going for it no matter what even if your brain offers you the, what if this, what if that? Yeah. Do I have a checklist? Like get a lawyer, get a good accountant. Of course. Absolutely. As much as you think that you don't have the need for a lawyer or an accountant and you're too small, you're never too small. But honestly, if you have the urge, the the inkling, the love, the fantasy of doing it, just do it. Life goes by super fast. Um, yeah. What do you have to lose? And as somebody who's had a gym, that didn't succeed. Guess what happened when it didn't succeed? I just moved on to the next project, right? I just, I just kept going. It's not fatal, um, but if you, ha- you know, think about it this way, who, you know, who out there needs you, right? You not opening your gym, right? All think about all the people that you're not helping by being in indecision. So that is my number one, my number one piece of advice: make the decision.
5: I love that. No one said that yet on the show when I've asked that question. I think that's so true. Just the mental space that the what if takes up, and the indecision, and the time that you waste going back and forth. And then if you're thinking about, you know, building that gym, that's what I want to do. Then whatever you're actually doing right now is getting not enough
6: attention from you because your mind's somewhere else. It's, I think that's such good advice. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Like the rest of the rest of your life is also suffering because you're like wow. your brain's in so many places. Yeah, that's. I'll have to take my own advice sometimes. Yeah, wow, that was good. I'm like writing it down over here.
5: <laughs> but awesome. awesome. Bonnie, thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us today. This has been super insightful. Um, but before we wrap things up here,
6: where can we find you? You know, what's your social media? What's your website? Where can people follow along? Absolutely. Thank you so much. So you can find me. I'm primarily on Facebook, Bonnie.Lafrac. You can also, I am on Instagram at BonnieLafrac. And you can find the Fitness Asylum, Fitness. So the website is fitness-asylum.com. Awesome,
5: fitness-asylum.com. And then again, Bonnie LaFrac on Instagram and Facebook. And that's L-E-F-R-A-K,
6: correct? It, It is, yes.
5: Awesome, perfect, awesome. Thank you again, Bonnie, for being on the show
6: today. Really appreciate you. Hey, thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate you, Hannah. Take care
5: absolutely take care. To all our listeners out there, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out, and we'll be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lloyd's out.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors.
4: What's going on everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us, we have Mr. Blair Henderson of Body by Blair. Blair, what's going on, man? How are you today?
3: Hey man, I'm doing well. How are you?
4: I am I'm good. I'm excited good. to dive into this and and I'm excited to to pick your brain on this. There's a lot of moving parts and a lot to be learned here from from your experience in the industry. But before we talk tactics and strategy and, and all of that. Give us a little bit of an idea. Body by Blair. What is this? What, when you describe it to other people, what do you tell them about your business?
3: Um, I try to be, through my business, um, essentially the bridge between academics when it comes to how to improve your health, improve your fitness, establish a healthy lifestyle, and the everyday person. So I try to take the information that I've learned through school, but also experience and just, you know, being a trainer for this amount of time and try to break that down and make it available to everyone. So whether no matter what your background is, your income is, we have solutions that essentially will be suitable for anyone who's interested and ready to take that next step.
4: Yeah. Background is is crucial on something like this, Blair. So paint us a picture of, of how we got here when you when you think back to the early days of not the not the first day that Body by Blair was opening or operating, but the day that the idea popped into your head, I'm going to open up my own. I'm going to go independent and and run my own fitness business. What was going on for you and, and how did you get here?
3: Uh, that's a funny question. I was very frustrated. Um, I grew into working for gyms. Uh, I'm not going to name drop some of the gyms, but very popular franchise gyms, and my experience there wasn't the best. Essentially, what I took when I decided to create my own business was I learned from all the mistakes that I had witnessed over the years of working for other people's gyms, and the frustration that just kind of boiled up from just seeing how people were being mistreated, how contracts were being um, confusing people. Sometimes I'm talking working for gyms where they would intentionally fade the contract. So you couldn't read the fine print that was on it. So it's just me being exposed to the griminess of trying to take advantage of people. it, It really, it really, you know, ignited in me the desire to try and create something that would be for the people And do so in a way that would be so authentic that I would hope it would turn over into revenue and a a good established business so that that's kind of where it really. um, I think my breaking point was I worked for a gym. Um, I've only worked for three days so first of all, I dropped the gym. Um, They said it was a fitness director position. I started working there. Uh, come to find out, I was really doing more so personal training sales. I was more so trying to pitch personal training for the new members who just joined. And um, on that, on that, you know, those three days, someone came in and said that they were injured while working with their trainer. And my supervisor told them that they weren't refunds um, for personal training sessions that were prepaid. And this was like a big gym. And I was like, I've never heard of somebody getting injured with their trainer and not being able to get the money back for the sessions that they had to prepay. And um, at that point, I really just decided that I'm going to do this for myself, and I want to go and, and, and make things available to to everyone, and and have it as you know straightforward, no long contracts, you know, as easy to follow as possible. So that that that's really yeah. what sparked this.
4: You'd be blown away how often I hear I started my own business because I saw so many different examples of how I didn't want to do things. Like, that's the main catalyst of what I'm, I'm taking from your your story here. I just did not want to be a part of X, Y, and Z other operations. And, and so I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to do it in a way that makes sense to me and and where I can operate with some integrity. Mm-hmm. Here we are uh, a handful of years later. Since you've been on your own, Blair, what's been your favorite part about being a business owner? on your own and what's been the most challenging part about
3: being a business owner on your own? My favorite part about being a business owner is definitely the freedom and the the ability to, to control your client's experience as opposed to having to deal with, you know, some of the things that, like I said, I mentioned before. And so for controlling my client's experience, I get to see them from day one progress all the way through the various services that I offer. So if an individual comes in for personal training, and they've never worked out before, and they end up going to online after a certain period of time, and then eventually going into training on their own, and I'm seeing them in the gym, and they've they they're gotten the routine of exercise, and they're comfortable and confident. I've gotten to see that time and time again, while working in the facility that I train in, because I try to graduate my clients, but rather than Hold their hand the entire time. And so that makes me feel a little bit more fulfilled because I feel like I'm actually making change that will last and be sustained in their life rather than just helping them hit a goal and then kind of leaving them high and dry in hopes that they can maintain it. Um, As far as the most challenging part, I would say is not knowing as much as I know now when I begin. And, you know, (laughs) I learned a lot over the time. But I think that at the beginning, I was a little too distracted by the things that were glittering. And that was trying to do things that I heard or I thought was going to get me to the next level in in terms of marketing, in terms of how I'm growing my business and, 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 and the things that I invested in for the sake of my business. I probably would have started off a little bit slower In regards to managing finances when I began.
4: Yeah, I think that's unfortunately a lesson that a lot of people learn. I think whether it's opening up a gym, whether it's going independent as a personal trainer, you don't know what you don't know at the end of the day. There are ways that we can attempt to learn it, reading, hearing from others, but there are some things that just You have to be in the situation to really get a grasp on to feel a little bit better. Now, you mentioned a number of different services here, Blair, but talk to us about what's worked, what hasn't worked from a marketing standpoint. How are you finding new potential clients to train with you?
3: So when I first began, um, I tried a lot of different things, Facebook ads, social media advertisement, Google advertisement. Um, third-party service sites such as Thumbtack, Bark, all of those different things were the original approach to try and getting clients, as well as reaching out to people via social media, just direct messaging them, offering them to come in for a consultation for free. Um, or once I got to the point where I started to grow, I did add a little bit of a fee just for confirmation they would show up, but really just trying to put myself out there was what I originally did. And I didn't really hold back on the amount of money that I was spending. And that's why I say I, I would have I would have done so a little differently. Now I'm a lot more strategic in the way that I do things. And, and what has worked for me is essentially, as opposed to trying convincing people to come and train with me, I show my value online and in person, and that attracts the clients coming to me. So I don't spend a lot of money on advertisement, especially now in the social media world, because my value is so heavy on my social media platforms that people actually gravitate towards me to work with me. And so prior to having that big platform, my goal was to provide as much value to people as possible. Because again, my goal was to break what was seen in these these previous gyms. So at the beginning, I knew the money wouldn't be right there, but I knew that I can continue to build that brand and people would gravitate towards the brand, as opposed to trying to convince them to come and work with me. So I I established um, a lot of free content on my social media platforms, recording workout videos, beginner friendly daily, two, three, four workouts a day. And I would just record and post content while I continue to do the groundwork, such as going to football games and talking to parents and talking about their kids. If their kids had a trainer, then I would say, "Well, what about you?" This is what I, what I was doing in the very beginning. And it was a lot of work. It was a lot of um, yeah. groundwork. Time um, invested. It, it was about four months. Um, I started my business about four months of that, and then shortly thereafter, I decided, "Okay, I need to get smarter with this, and I need to, you know, really start to focus on what's working and and and, and execute on that." And um, that really was about. Mm, i say about a year of consistency with me kind of maintaining, I would say about 35, 40 clients. And I was making okay income, what would be considered like the average for a personal trainer when I was figuring things out. Once I hit everything how I wanted, and I kind of got a good feel for my business, everything just kind of took off. And COVID, I know a lot of people went back because it, I tripled my income because of COVID. And so I, I even started to teach other personal trainers during COVID how to do so once COVID ended, because I felt like it was an opportunity to revamp your business. And that's essentially what I did.
4: Yeah, it's it's funny because what the takeaway that I get from all of that is that early on, You got to do what you got to do to get your name out there. There's just not a lot of options. We either have money, in which case we can just throw it ads and see what sticks, or we have Mm -hmm. time, in which case we can pour hours and hours into content and pounding the pavement and shaking hands and kissing babies to get yourself known. Over time, some combination of both of those as as the, the notoriety for this grows a little bit and it switches from a push onto the people that we want to be working with more towards pulling them to the business. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a dramatic, dramatic shift that may not be seen from the outside, but is definitely seen in, in the next question here in, in probably the sales process. When, when we're asking people to come in versus when they're asking us when they can come in. Enormous difference in in mm-hmm. quote unquote power structure in that conversation. But for you now, at least, hypothetically, somebody's interested in training. Walk me through what a typical sales process is. How do they actually go about signing up to work with you?
3: So at this point, most of my um, clients come through um, social media, and so essentially, I'll get a message: "Hey, I'm interested in working with you. What what are the next steps?" Um, I have two links on my profile. If some people do find me on Google, so they go through my website and they'll schedule directly through there. They're able to schedule a consultation. The consultation for online records over Zoom. And essentially, I kind of walk them through the app. I have screen screenshots of, you know, how the workouts will be delivered, what my philosophy is, asking them questions, getting to know the client and so forth before actually going into working the app and getting things acquainted with them. So for online clients, we work through an app. Um, That provides them with the workout video demonstrations, um, nutritional guidance, habit formation, sleep reminders, everything that you can possibly think of in regards to making sure that you are focusing on building sustainable habits that will help you not only with weight loss, but improve your health overall. Um, That's my approach with the online. um, And we work daily. Um, I have about not too many. I have about 25 online clients um, that I manage on a daily basis. And so we talk, my, me and my online clients, we talk two to three times a day, each one of those clients. So that is a big um, portion of that. And then my, my individual clients, they'll schedule the consultations through another link. Uh, it's titled on my, my website, as well as my, my, my social media. And then they'll have the confirmation sent. They get a, you know, a reminder email, reminder text prior to, once they come in for the consultation, it's my goal then to sell them on what they thought was a one-hour session and is actually only going to be 30 minutes. So what happens is most people assume when they sign up for personal training, they're going to train for an hour. Most people who I work with, not because I advertise an hour, just because most people assume the personal training session is going to be an hour. What I try to help people understand is if you haven't worked out prior to this, you haven't worked out ever, the first half of our consultation, we go over their goals, Same, similar to what we do online. In the second half, we actually go through a workout. And so if that individual feels as though the session time that we did the workout, if they feel like, hey, that wasn't enough, I want to do more, then I'll price present them for the one hour session as opposed to 30 minutes. But at this point in time, I've only had one client who trains an hour. So most of my clients train 30 minute sessions, which allows me to increase my income even more because the price is still the same as it was prior to COVID when it was one hour for a session
4: understood okay so we kept the the hour price, the price
3: just and shortened
4: in. it okay so in effect increasing the capacity of people we can work with like you said increasing our income got it right beyond that blair the the real battle in in personal training and businesses like this is in keeping clients right mm-hmm. we could we could sign people up all day long but if they're just leaving a week later then we're going to be hamster wheeling this thing forever so for you what do you focus on? How are we retaining for the long haul?
3: I, I know exactly who I'm targeting for my business. So I know what language to use. I know what music to be playing. I know what advertisement to do. I know how to connect to those individuals. And that's something I feel like a lot of people try to be the jack of all trades when it comes to their businesses. When it comes to my business, I'm targeting single or recently divorced women between 30 and 45 years old or middle upper class, typically minorities. That's very specific, but it allows me to easily attract that group, easily, because I know how to reach that group. And this is is an exaggerated example, but oftentimes I'll see what would be the equivalent of, let's say, an African-American festival, and the advertisement would be Asian people on it. And that's an exaggerated analogy but what I'm saying is a lot of times people just aren't advertising towards the group of people who can afford their services who would be interested in their services and who would benefit from them and they're just missing the mark because sometimes their marketing doesn't match what their business actually is providing and so for me knowing that population and knowing that I cannot present myself in the same manner as somebody who's training you know 20 year olds who may be in college allows me to present myself in a way that typically shocks my clients and they formulate a relationship with me that builds that trust and that rapport and that, and that, that relationship that makes them want to stay.
4: I think it's, it's, it's a matter of congruency. If I'm understanding properly, Mm -hmm. if I'm promising people a on the front end and then they get in and it actually happens to be B, there's this kind of disconnect and, at a certain point, it doesn't make sense for me to continue to spend money on this. It's not what I expected. Right. But you, transparent through and through, this is what it is, this is what you get, this is how it works, you don't sign up the wrong people. And at this point in your business, we're a little bit more mature. I would imagine, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine that we don't, we don't sign up everybody that takes a consultation. Right. It may not be the best fit for you just as much as you may not be the best fit for them. Is that correct?
3: Right. Yeah. And I I try not to I try not to turn people away. But what I'll do is I'll try to understand exactly what that individual is looking for and then explain to them exactly what it is that I provide, who I am. And that's why we go through the training session during that initial consultation. So they'll see if they're comfortable with my training style before they commit and then decide it's not something they're comfortable with. So I'm not really trying to lock somebody in who doesn't want to be locked in. And in the same manner, I don't do contracts. Everything's month to month. I'm going to sell you on my services. I don't need a contract. And because of that, and because I'm so confident in that, and the way that I do, they never cancel, even though there's no contract for them to not cancel, because the services continue to sell, I'm not going to get lazy because you've been with me for two, three years, it's going to continue to be the same level of service, as long as I do that, and as long as I'm open at communicating, hey, like, are you okay, do you need more, do you need less of this, like, how are you feeling, then It's like a relate, it's like any relationship. You got to keep working on it in order to keep progressing. And you you can't you can't take your clients for granted and expect them to continue to pay you long term.
4: Yep. Now, Blair, our our conversation has exclusively to this point been how'd you get here? What do you do now? Talk to me about the future. Where is this whole thing going? What's what's the goal in your mind for Body by Blair?
3: So Body by Blair has kind of taken upon a a life of his own in regards to just the social media thing. Um, In the beginning of COVID, I I wrote a book. It took me four weeks start to finish to write the book, uh, Weight Loss Made Easy, The Blueprint to Reducing Body Fat. Um, I self-published the book. I took the photos of myself on my phone. Um, The book became an Amazon bestseller um, through COVID. And with that, it increased my online platform drastically. And I've created a larger demand for me online. And so I've grown a lot there in person. I've decided, or I've, I've worked more towards having those clients work in a group setting. And that's why I'm heavily more so trying to have the economy version of training for individuals in the group and then kind of funnel them to the online and, and progress that way because it makes it a little more manageable because I wouldn't prefer to be in-house as often as many hours a day as I am. Um, and so that's just kind of what I'm thinking at this moment, just uh, essentially making sure that people are progressing through my funnels of business at the rate that would allow me to continue to have my time. And so yeah. joining in person, developing the habits, and then eventually progressing to online and then being the advocate for my business, for my book, for my brand thereafter is kind of the funnel of how, you know, my business works. Yeah.
4: And, 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 the time challenge is the true kicker that everybody in your position is trying to solve, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's only one Blair. (laughs) It's very difficult to recreate Blair. And so if people want to train, they've got to figure out the hours and and it's, it's a never ending battle, but you are attempting to solve that at least getting people towards the online, which is a little bit more scalable time-wise and, Geographically, at least it's a cool conversation, Blair. And it's it's great to see somebody that has successfully implemented these steps at every funnel, every moment in the funnel, at least. In the pursuit of you moving forward, one final question, and then we'll start to wrap things up here. What do you perceive as some potential challenges or potential hurdles for you to to continue to grow your business?
3: I would say that um... Relying solely on one source of clientele is not something I'm very comfortable with. And that's essentially what has happened post-COVID. Prior to COVID, I used a lot of different avenues to obtain clients, especially during COVID. So for instance, Thumbtack, for those who don't know, is a billion-dollar company that essentially works like, if you've heard of Angie's List, in which if you Google personal trainer near me which if you put yourself in the, in, the, in, the, in the position of a client or potential client, that's something that they would probably Google. Thumbtack pays to be at the top of Google. So rather than me pay to be at the top of Google, I'm just going to figure out what it needs to do to get the top of Thumbtack. And so what I needed to do to get the top of, top of Thumbtack was pretty simple. It's just being online, responding to clients quickly, making sure my profile was pretty much updated. Now, in the beginning of COVID, acquiring clients on Thumbtack was essentially a 100% conversion rate to actually signing them up for me because those people are actively looking for for trainers. And they already see your price and everything there is to know about you prior to. So as long as you close the consultation, well, that's that's an easy process. However, the, the cost of acquiring a client went from $15 per client to roughly $75 to $125 per client. Now, prior to this, I was charging $30 for consultation and that would cover that little bitty fee. And I would get a little bit of compensation for that consultation. Now, the cost of acquiring clients has has grown so exponentially that I'm not able to utilize those other avenues of, 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 yeah. of clients. You lose
4: money on the front end and just hope because it's Because eventually.
3: you have, you, exactly, exactly. So what I needed to do was find a way to decrease my overhead while increasing you know, my lead. So I needed to further build my brand so that I can create that avenue myself and then figure out what was it that I was doing incorrectly in my advertising. That way I can, you know, monetize my platforms and make more of an impact financially Using social media as opposed to just kind of wasting money on ads that I I didn't really know how to create ads, so I, I really just started doing research. YouTube, there's people who tell you everything on there, so I really just started learned to look up like. how to advertise better on social media and what what to use. And I learned about Canva and all these different apps that you know allow you, someone like me who's trying to balance all of these things to simplify these processes and utilizing those 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 resources. It, it That's what I feel like will help me. But the challenge is the finances to go into advertising because it's going up. Services are going up as well as the advertising. It's it's really, really, um, it's really drastically changed since prior to to all of this. So um, I'm hopeful that I can continue to grow and um, allow my following who's done wonders for me to continue to advocate on my behalf because that's really what, at this point, Everyone kind of the word of mouth has moved online and it's continued to grow and people continue to share my videos because I'm posting again for free workout videos, tips, nutritional resources, and that can that grows my online presence, which generates more clientele.
4: It's a, it's an interesting conversation and, and one that, like we said, everybody is attempting to solve in their own way, but you've gotten really creative with all of this. We're running a bit shy on time here, but in the short bit of time we have left, why don't you tell our, or our audience where they could learn more about what you do? What's the best website? What's the best social?
3: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you guys can find me at BlairTheTrainer.com. That's my website. Um, if you really want to just get connected, you can add me on um, social media. Instagram is at BlairTheTrainer. Um, if you join on Instagram, I have a ton of free resources. I have an online community on Facebook that you can join. It's free. Um, the first chapter of my book is in there for free. Meal plans, workout videos. I answer. I go live and do Q A's on a regular basis. All of that's free. You, you don't have to pay me a dime, and you can reach your goals. Um, and that is my motto. Um, essentially, um, my goal online is to educate, empower, and inspire. And so, if 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 somebody is interested in in reaching a goal, if I can help you to unlearn and relearn what you need to be doing, if I can inspire you to take action. And if I can give you all the tools that you would possibly need to empower you, then I feel like then the next step would just be you needing to put it into action. So that's, that's essentially what I, I try to do. And, and and as well for personal trainers, you know, I, I've, i am mentoring a lot of personal trainers in person and online, just I'm an open book when it comes to the tools and resources that I've used to get to this point in time because I didn't figure this out the first time and I'd love to save somebody else the headache that I went through to yeah. figure it out. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm open to anything um, if anybody needs help with that. That's awesome.
4: Blair, this has been great, man. I really appreciate anybody willing to to give a behind the scenes look at their business and and show what has worked and like you said, what hasn't as well. So both of these are valuable. I'm excited to see what the future holds for you because it sounds like you're, you still have some cards to be played. So we're out of time today, but I appreciate your time and, and I wish you nothing but the best, man.
3: Thank you, man. Thank you. I really appreciate you letting me come on here and um, hopefully some, some of you have found some value in the things that you know we discussed here.
4: <laughs> Absolutely. To everyone who tuned in, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you would like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, Gym Lords out.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com.